Over the past few years, I have asked you guys to give me a rating and review. And if you've done that, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. It's so helpful. But if you haven't, I get it. I kind of get it. Like, I'm asking you to go and click on this thing and then like, how do I do it? And then I have to come up with some kind of a review and I don't know what to say and I'll do it later, right? I, I get it. I've, I've kind of been there before. I, I know exactly how you feel. And so I'm not asking you to do that now, okay? What I'm asking you to do now is so easy. Anybody can do it and it literally takes like one second. Go into whatever you're listening to, whether it's Apple Podcast or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on, they all have it, and just click on the subscribe button. Just subscribe. It takes one second. You don't have to be creative. You don't have to come up with a review and write it all out and you know be self-conscious about it. Just hit that subscribe button. That would be so, so, so impactful for me. And if you're enjoying this and getting a lot out of it, that would mean the world to me. It really would. And it's so easy. Anyone can do it. Like, let's literally stop listening right now. Stop listening. Go and do it. That's how much it means to me. Nobody ever asks you to leave their show and stop listening for anything. But I'm asking you to stop listening right now. Go and just quickly subscribe. Come right back and take a listen. That would mean the world to me. I would really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And I really appreciate it. Thanks. Assuming that you're budgeting, you're you know you're coming up with the right estimations in the beginning. Assuming that you're not totally blowing it with the with the management of the contractor, then the next thing is these quotes need to be itemized. They can't give you one quote for thirty thousand dollars and say that's it, right? Because at the end of the day, if anything goes wrong, they're just going to give you a bump in the quote, right? They're going to increase it. So you need an itemized quote number one, and you need it in writing, right? You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, thank you for joining me on the show today. I appreciate it. Another Q&A coming at you. We had a lot of great questions, just tons of participation. It was a lot of fun. We talked about how to stay on budget on your rehabs, how to stay within your uh, your timelines that you set out at the beginning. Uh, big talk about that. Uh, hiring and managing. Uh, somebody wrote and said, I want and I need to hire key people, but I don't like managing people. What do I do? So we had that discussion. Uh, business KPIs. What numbers should you be tracking in your business? What are the important numbers? And I laid it out. What I track, what I think everyone should be tracking. And uh, there was a question that came in live about an executive assistant. Should all business owners, all entrepreneurs, should we all have executive assistants? I have very strong feelings about this. You should listen. It's going to really be important if you're thinking about it. So check it out, guys. Without any further delay, I give you my latest Q&A. Almost. I am live now on all platforms. Woo! All right, guys. Uh, if you've ever lost track of time and had something you had to do at an exact time, and then you were totally stressed out to get it on time, that's me right now. But I'm here for you uh, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, here to answer your questions. If you're just logging on, if you're just finding me, Welcome. I'm here every week. You should use and abuse me. I am here to answer your questions. Uh, if you keep it to real estate, I can give you really high level expert answers. If you veer off of real estate, it's a grab bag. You know, never know what I'm going to tell you. So uh, you can ask me whatever you want and I'll answer it for sure. But Real estate's what we're here for, so let's do that. Uh, I, I've talked about this on past um, lives. If you haven't heard, and if you're trying to figure out this market that we're in right now, and uh, it's changing. If you haven't heard, it's changing. And if you ask you know, 10 people, you'll get probably 10 different answers about what is going to be the change, what's gonna end up happening in real estate uh, and in the economy. 
And I'll be honest with you, nobody knows exactly, but something is happening and everyone agrees on that. There is a change happening. And so if you're concerned about that, if you're concerned about how you're going to start your business and get leads, how, where they're going to come from, uh, or if you're trying to grow your business and you're like, well, this is great. The economy's changing. The market's changing. I'm trying to grow my business and get more leads so that I can take, you know, take it to the next level. If you want help with the leads, I can tell you that direct mail has been responsible for probably 80% of the deals that I've done in the last seven years. And direct mail is an excellent, excellent marketing channel, probably the single best marketing channel I've ever seen in the last 12 to 14 years that I've been in real estate. Uh, and I've created a course that helps navigate that for you, make it really just plain and simple. I cover everything that I've learned in uh, direct mail from A to Z. It's a five video free course. It's free, guys. It's a five video course that you can just go and get and consume it and use it and hopefully make hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars over time. Who knows? Uh, but I believe it will help you. Even if you use direct mail now, I believe I can make it better for you. So go to my website, mikesimmons.com forward slash winning direct mail, or you can just go to mikesimmons.com and click on the link right there on the homepage that says, give me my free direct marketing course and you will have it for yourself. I highly suggest it. I put a lot of time into it. I have gotten really great feedback. People are loving the course. They're getting a ton out of it. Uh, I'm getting a lot of uh, emails and things, feedback about people saying that they're just thinking it's great and the time and the effort and the detail put into it. And so I didn't slap this together and just kind of put something out there because it was free. I put something together I probably should charge $5,000 for easily because I think it'll easily make you that. It could make you that you know, soon, really quickly. So uh, direct mail doesn't take long to get results from. And uh, if you're in real estate, which I think you are, if you're listening to this, you know, as well as I do, if you close a deal, whether you're a house or flipper or a wholesaler or a landlord, I mean, it could be tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of profit. And so what is it worth to get another deal or two or 10 or 20 or 100 maybe a lot of money so it's free for you you should go grab it uh before i come to my senses and start charging for it okay uh let's dive into the questions for this week uh i have not seen these these get sent to me via email and instagram and all these other places um, so you can send your questions too if you're not able to make this live you can send me your questions at mike at justoutrealestate.com or you can just DM me on social media. Um, so let's dive into the first one. Okay, first question. I am a house flipper and I'm struggling to keep my rehabs on time and within budget. Any suggestions? Wow, that is, you. wow. You wanna talk about a big open-ended question? Uh, this is the kind of question where it would be fantastic if this person was live, because we could go back and forth and I could ask a bunch of questions. What I'm guessing, if you're not sticking uh, within your budget and your timeline, uh, my guess is that there's a lot of mistakes being made by on your part at the beginning of this project. Estimating budgets and estimating timelines is probably, you're probably not doing a great job if you're struggling with all your rehabs to keep them on budget and on time. However, if you are estimating your budget correctly or within reason, and you are using a realistic timeline and you're still not getting it achieved, then I would say it's not your due diligence. It's not your upfront work. It's 
it's how you're managing the renovation itself. And I don't know, again, we could go back and forth with questions and answers here so I could get clear, but if you're using a general contractor, you're not managing them effectively. If you're subbing it out yourself, then same thing. You're not managing those guys effectively. And this may sound, if you're listening to this, it's like, well, geez, how does he know that he's not, you know, this person isn't managing because I subscribe to a, um, uh, a theory, uh, of being totally responsible for everything that happens around me. Um, I think in my business, I can't blame other people for what's happening. So if I have a rehab job, uh, it's, you know, it's called, it's called extreme ownership. That's the world I was looking for. Uh, Jocko Willink wrote a book called extreme ownership. And I subscribe to that theory. It's, it's got to be your fault as the leader of the company of the person who's in charge. Hey, uh, hello. Who's that? Tom, is that Tom? Uh, yeah. On Instagram is waving. Hey, um, I subscribe to the uh, extreme ownership theory. So if something isn't happening right, if you're, if you're over budget and over time, it is it is on you as the owner of the company it, it's your it's your responsibility to make sure these these things happen <clears throat> so it could be a combination maybe you're just missing it a little bit up front maybe your budgets are just too low they're not realistic maybe your timelines are too aggressive not realistic and then on top of it you're struggling with your contractors and and it's not getting done on time uh you can control both the the upfront work is probably the easier thing to get control over uh you got to dial those numbers in a little bit better if you're having trouble with your contractor, you need to find other contractors, or it could just be communication. Maybe the contractor just really doesn't have clear, uh, defined outline goals and, and parameters of time and budget. And if they do, then maybe they're not being watched closely enough. You might have to show up to the job site more often because if you if you nail it on your estimates and you're on the job site or the job is being managed daily, semi-daily, two or three times a week at least, it's really hard for it to get too far out of control before you know it. You know, you'll see it going out of control. You'll see the time slipping. You'll see the budget getting blown. And so there's like a million ways you could answer this question. And so it's a little bit of a tough one because it's just like, hey, I'm over budget over time. Go. What do I do? <laughs> it's like, I mean, there's there's probably 30 questions I could ask to start getting some answers to figure out what's really wrong. But it, it probably comes down, my guess is it comes down to managing the, the renovation, managing the contractors, managing the general contractor, and all of that is fixable. Uh, but, you know, you have to have a quote in writing, obviously, right, that that's itemized. And so what happens sometimes is you'll give a contractor uh, the option or the ability or, um, you know, you'll give them the right to quote this thing and they'll send you a quote and they'll say, total renovation is going to cost $30,000 and they'll give you one big number. And so you can get over budget without knowing it a lot easier if you don't know what each individual thing costs. So I would start off for anyone listening, having the same problems, assuming that you're budgeting, you're, you know, you're coming up with the right estimations in the beginning, assuming that you're not totally blowing it with the, with the management of the contractor, then the next thing is these quotes need to be itemized. They can't give you one quote for $30,000 and say, that's it, right? Because at the end of the day, if anything goes wrong, they're just going to give you a bump in the quote, right? They're going to increase it. So you need an itemized quote, number one, and you need it in writing, right? How much is the painting going to cost? How much? And I'm not saying it doesn't have to be an itemized quote with 
you know, 300 items on it, you know, each individual light socket, you know, each individual cover plate. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying like flooring throughout, paint throughout, roof, um, kitchen cabinets, kitchen counters, fixtures, hot water heater. You know what I mean? Like the, your your quote should have for, a, you know, a full renovation, maybe 15 to 20 things, maybe 15 to 25 things on there that are that are line itemed out. I suggest that they break out materials and labor differently, right? Two different columns, one for material, one for labor. So you always know what, you know, what they're charging you for that stuff. Um, and then that should be in writing. And then the timeline too, you have, you can, it's not just enough to say, hey, I think this should cost $30,000 and they give you this itemized quote and it all comes to about $30,000. It sounds great. You get going and you realize there was really no time frame that was established and agreed upon. The timing should be on the quote as well. That has to be on there. So it's $30,000. Here's the itemized list. And I will have it done in four weeks. That's what I what I would do. The other thing that I have done in the past, and I think it's quite effective, is I give a penalty for being late on the job and I give a bonus for being early. So in this case, they said it would take four weeks. For every day that they get it done early, it's another $50 or $100, whatever, whatever you, is appropriate to you. For every day that they're late, the same penalty is, in a, is, is um, enforced, right? So if, let's just say you give them $100 for every day they're early, you're going to charge them $100 for every day they're late. And you have to stick to that. And the way that you charge them is you don't overpay them. You only pay them for work done. And so at the end of it, you're going to deduct, if they're late by a week, you're deducting $700 from whatever you owe them at the end of this thing, right? Whatever's left over. So that's how you can help kind of manage the timing. Um, as far as budget goes, I would say any any overage or any addition to the quote over $50 or over $100 or whatever you want to set it at has to be approved by you before they do it and before they buy the materials. So it's really, if you do that, it's really impossible to go over budget significantly without you having seen it, you having approved it, and everyone knowing what's going on. So if that's if you do those things and you still go over budget, then you're just totally missing it in the beginning. And my guess is you know, you know whether or not you missed it on the initial estimate or if it's getting blown during the renovation, like during the project because the contractor is just dragging their feet or they misquoted something and, and now it's going to cost more. So you, you probably know if it's more on the management side or more on the estimate side. Um, but it's important. I mean, you know, you can't you can't be over budget and over time on all your projects. It happens from time to time, it happens to everybody from time to time, but you can't let that be the norm. Or pretty soon you have this business that should be thriving and should be successful, but it's struggling. And maybe you start having cash flow issues. And there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to fix the problem but it's it's hard to do without knowing the exact problem like the the problems that were that were you know stated in the question are very broad very very broad and there's probably you know a half a dozen to a dozen reasons for each one to happen and each reason could take us down a different solution rabbit hole so um but like i said you're, you're it's being blown on the estimation it's being blown on the management and if it's being blown on the management then having things in writing and clearly stated and signed off on by all parties will help that being on the job every day every other day two or three times a week at the at the, at the least 
being on the job that often, like you can do an awful lot of things to get your arms around and kind of build a wall around these problems so they don't get out of hand. But you, you've got to be there. You've got to be diligent. You've got to be willing to challenge the contractor on things that just don't sound right to you. So big question there. Um, okay, here we go. Let's uh, let's do this. Let's go on to the next one. It sounds like we, get, we got a biggie. Uh, let's see here. Uh, okay. All right. Here we go uh, by Juan. How you doing, Juan? Uh, I want to work. I want to work on divorce, foreclosure, and probate lists. For the first one, is there a recommended time frame to wait for things to cool down after settlement to increase chance of success? Um, no, I think for for uh, divorce, I would hit them as soon as it hits the list. Like as soon as that niche list they show up, I would hit them immediately because. Yeah, they might get more motivated as time goes on, but uh, emotions are pretty high in the beginning. And uh, I, I would hit them right then and there because sometimes that's the thing they want to get off their plate and it's the easiest thing to get off their plate. So I would I would actually hit them right away. I mean, but with that, I would hit them right away and then I would give it time. Then I would probably give it, I don't know, time frame. <sighs> I've been through a divorce. Let's see, how long did it take for before things cooled down? I don't know. In most, in my state, it takes six months to, to kind of go through that process. So I think I would wait 90 days. I would hit them immediately. And then I'd probably wait 90 days and do it again. Because usually in the divorce settlement, there is a decision that's made on the house, whether somebody's going to keep it or if it has to be sold. And it's sort of like the equity is split. Um, that's decided then. So I would, I would probably uh, go immediately. And then I would try again in 90 days. That would be my first move probably. Um, okay. Part two, that was number one. Part two, for foreclosure and probate, do you have any recommendations to build the necessary knowledge to better serve and assist people going through these types of crisis? So there is, um, if you go to, uh, I want to say it's leadfusion.com, and lead and fusion is spelled with a Z in this case, leadfusion.com. Uh, it is a, That's a skip tracing service, but it's two guys, and one of the partners is a probate uh, and foreclosure expert, and he's the best in the business. So I would reach out to Lead Fusion and say, hey, I want to start uh, working foreclosure and probate leads. What can you tell me that I can do to educate and become a resource for these folks uh, so that they will know, love, and trust me, and and I can you know talk to them about eventually buying the property? Uh, there you go. I just put it in the chat. And so hopefully you can see that leadfusion.com. Um, go there. The guy who runs that company, the owner of Lead Fusion, his name's Rob. And if you say Mike Simmons sent you and you want to get in touch with him and his partner about probate and um, uh, helping homeowners become better educated and talking to them about their deal, about their um, about their properties, uh, he will help you. Uh, he's a great guy. His name is Rob. And just tell him I sent you. And those guys are awesome. They absolutely know what they're doing in that department. Uh, his Rob's partner has been in probate for decades. And so those are the guys that I would go to if I had a question about that. Okay. Uh, also, we put extreme ownership in the chat. So if you guys didn't see that, that's the book that I, you're welcome, Juan, by the way. Um, you uh, you should go grab that book, Extreme Ownership. It, I don't have, I'm not like an affiliate or I don't have like a, it's, this isn't an Amazon affiliate thing. I'm just telling you that book 
changed my outlook and my perspective on business and on how I conduct myself, not only in business, but personally, right? I think if if everyone took more that book and the, and the lessons in that book very seriously, I think we would solve a lot of problems in this world, both professionally and personally and politically. It would be awesome. So anyways, it's a great book. It, it changed changed the game for me. All right. If we could dive into the next question, please. Next question. Our business is growing and we need to hire some key people, but I don't really want to manage more employees. Thoughts? Well, uh, depending on where your business is, if you're talking about you have one VA and you need to hire two more people, you're going to be managing more people. If you have a team of five and you're, you know, you're running this business that's sort of like creeping up to seven figures and you and you and you have the cash flow, my I don't like managing people really either, to be honest. Um, and so my business had to get to the point where I could hire people who were super good at what they do. And they could then hire and manage, or I could hire and they could manage. So when you're small, you, you kind of need to manage. Now, there's the one way around that is there are there are services out there, there's companies out there that will, for example, help you hire a VA and they will uh, help manage that person. So they'll help you identify the talent. They will train them for you, and then they'll do they'll do ongoing training. It doesn't you're not completely hands off with the management side, but if there's something that ha if somebody has to be let go, for example, that company will let them go. Like they'll handle that. They kind of act as your HR department. You're going to have to give them direction day to day, unfortunately, until you grow to a point where you can move a level up. Right in the beginning, it's all like this flat thing. It's a flat company. You're doing everything. You start hiring people, it's still flat, right? Because maybe you're good at sales, your acquisitions, and then you hire a project manager to handle your flips and you handle this you know, person to answer the phones, but you're all kind of on the same, you're the owner, but you know, for all intents and purposes, you're working on the same org chart level as them. And then as you grow, you can bring people in to sort of like manage the team. That person then can manage your people. But in the short term, you just have to, you have to do it. And the real trick here is, um, I was being interviewed today on a pod, a different podcast other than mine, and they were asking me about hiring and managing. And I said, you know, the funny thing is, is we, you you start a business like a real estate business, and you get good at marketing. You know, you get pretty good at sales. You get good at managing crews of contractors. You get good at selling properties. You get good at raising money for your deals. Like you, all those things, you gain those skills. And then as you grow and you start hiring out a lot of these positions, you you're not being asked to be good at sales and you're not being good you're not being asked or you don't need to be good at project management. You need to be a good leader. You need to be someone who can inspire your team. You need to be someone who can become effective at hiring. And so all these skills that got you to where you are they won't get you to the next level. You have to develop new skills. And as you grow and put people in place, you know, in, in this question, they're saying they need to hire some key people. So to hire those key people, if they're key, you're going to have to manage them in the short term. In the long term, they can manage the team or you can you can um, hire one, you know, you can promote one of those people from within to kind of run the team and be an operations manager. Unfortunately, in the short term, 
it's very difficult to get around managing people. But in the long term, you absolutely can. But you should build your team and hire with the the thought in your mind that you're looking for someone who can eventually rise up and manage the team. Like that's you, you want to have that in your head as you as you're bringing people in and, and training them. Uh, in the short term, you're just going to have to do it. Unfortunately, there's not a great way around it because honestly, people who start a, a business and they're very small and they're not really that profitable or very minimally profitable, and they try to hire like a, a COO, right, <laughs> like a chief operating officer you know, and then pay them a ton of money and they don't even really have a team. Like, it's kind of silly. It sounds silly when I say it out loud. and It is silly. So you have to kind of run that team yourself. Like I said, you can go the VA route and there are, like I said, services out there that will that will help you. They'll be, they'll play HR, basically. They'll help you uh, hire them and they'll fire them for you and they'll do some ongoing training. But ultimately, you're you still run the company. So you're going to have to have some input there. So there you go. I don't love it either, but I did it. And so it's just what we do as, as entrepreneurs. All right, next question, please. Okay, what metrics, uh, what are the metrics you track in your business to stay on track? Okay, so there's like metrics that everyone should be tracking. And then as you grow and build your business, there are there's gonna be metrics that you find particularly useful or important that I may not. But in the beginning, um, a lot of metrics, there's two, there's two kinds of metrics. First of all, that's something I should say right off the bat. Well, there's more than two, but there's two main kinds of metrics that I recommend people pay attention to. There is activity metrics and there are results metrics. A result metric could be revenue for the month, right? How much revenue did we make last month? Uh, that's a result. And, and it's it's difficult to manage to results, but you have to know those, right? At the end of the year, you can't say, well, revenue for the year is a result metric and I can't manage to it, so I'm not gonna pay attention. No, you have to know how much money did you make last year? And you need to know what happened the month before so that you can kind of look ahead and figure out what needs to be done. Result metrics are difficult to manage to though. You have to know them. Now, a result metric um, could be uh, calls that came in from your marketing. So I'll tell you the metrics that I that I track, and then we'll kind of break down some results and some activity metrics. So I track marketing dollars spent. What did I spend on marketing? And I I, I track each channel, right? Direct mail, uh, cold calling, PPC, all these different things, right? But basically, you want to track your marketing that's going out. You want to track the amount of leads that that's bringing in, whether it's a call, whether it's a form fill from your website whatever, right? How many leads is that bringing in? So what am I spending? How many leads are coming in? How many appointments am I getting based off of those leads? Like the chance to talk to a, a homeowner who is interested in selling their house. Um, so how many appointments did I get? How many contracts do I get, right? It's a different number. You go on 10 appointments, you're not going to get 10 contracts every time, most likely. Uh, you're going to get a, a less amount of contracts, obviously, than appointments. So how many appointments, how many contracts, how many deals did I get, and what was my revenue? Like Those are the basic metrics that everybody should be tracking for sure. Um, but there are it's hard to, it's hard to um, manage to some of those because they happened in the past. And so you can manage activities. And so what it might be is how much marketing was sent, right? Not just what we spent, but how much did we send out? Um, how many cold calls were made? That's an activity. How, the more cold calls you make, theoretically, the more deals you're going to get. Um, 
for like an acquisitions team, how many uh, appointments did you go on, right? So the more appointments you go on, the more the more contracts we're going to get theoretically. If you're a wholesaler and you're you have a dispositions manager, there's a whole host of activities there. Like how many buyers are you putting on our list? How many deals are you putting out to our buyers list? How many deposits have you collected? How many closings are, are we going to have? Or how many closings did you go to? Like some of those are in the past and some of them are proactive. So the proactive stuff, like for, for a salesperson, like how many, how many cold calls did you make to our database, for example, right? We get all these leads in, we don't get appointments on everything, right? So we have this database of people who have raised their hand at some point and said, hey, I want to talk to somebody about my house. It didn't work out initially, but we go back and mine those leads. And so your acquisitions team should be proactively calling those leads and just seeing if anything's changed in their world. And so you want to make sure that the activities of your team are aligned with the results that you're looking for. And so you track and you manage activities to get the results. And if you're not getting the results, but you are doing the activity, you have to tweak your activities. You have to you have to adjust those activities and you adjust them until you get the proper result. And then you totally can manage hardcore to those activities to get the results that you want. So that's those are the metrics that I track. And I think it's important to have both activity and result metrics. Okay, one quick question here I saw in Instagram. Let me jump in here real quick. Um, okay, it's from Adam Whitney. My man is in Instagram. He, he hits me from all over the place. Okay. Uh, on Instagram, Adam Whitney, why should or shouldn't business owners get an executive assistant? Oh my gosh, what a good question. Um, my belief is that almost every business owner needs an executive assistant. And that may be, may, maybe you're asking Adam because you agree or, or maybe you don't. But um, most business owners that I know and it's not all of them, but most business owners that I know are visionary, meaning they're big picture people, they're idea people. They like to build things and move on. Um, they don't have the capacity to manage details. They don't have the capacity to see all the details. And when I say details, I'm talking about emails specifically like if i if i just grabbed randomly a hundred entrepreneurs who run a business big or small and i said how good are you at keeping track of all of your emails and replying to the important ones and not missing anything if no one helps you and i would be willing to bet you of the hundred that i grabbed randomly at least 90 of them would say i'm awful i can't i can't keep up it's overwhelming i miss it i i just I eventually ignore them because it just, I get overwhelmed and it's like an avalanche. Like I'm not, I can't, I can't. Right. And so usually when people hire an executive assistant, one of the first things that they give them is control of that email situation because they're missing stuff. And I am, I am, I'm not only no exception, I am probably one of the biggest offenders. So I think most business owners need an executive assistant to help them wrangle in all of the details of their life and their business so they can truly focus on business building activities, money generating activities, uh, checking your emails and making sure you, all the important ones are categorized and put in the right folders and it's all brought to your attention. That's important. You need to do it because there's certain emails that if you miss it, it's a catastrophe, right? 
but that's not what most business owners are hardwired to be great at. It's just not what they're great at. And so you need whatever you're great at, anything that distracts you from that, whatever you do to be great in your business, in your life, whatever, whatever that is, anything that pulls you away from that activity or those activities should be given to an should be given to an executive assistant. I firmly believe that. I waited way too long, way too long. And now that I have one, and I've had one for several years now, she's awesome. Um, she is making sure that all these questions get put in front of me right now. Like I, there's no way I could manage it. And partially it's because I'm talking, I'm live and it, it's a lot to do, right? But she makes sure that I don't miss anything that would be a catastrophe. I mean, she makes sure, make sure I don't miss anything, period, but certainly not things that would be a catastrophe. So Adam, it's a great question, man. I, I don't know for sure if you have an executive assistant. I suspect you probably do because you're a sharp guy. Um, you're a military guy too, right? You may have more detail than I do, or you may have more detail than the average entrepreneur. But I think most entrepreneurs that I know are slightly scattered and a little bit of a mad scientist, frankly. So uh, we need we need those details to be wrangled. And so, yeah. Anyways, I think everyone needs one who has a business. I really do. Even if it's a small business, even if you're not crank, you know, you're not crushing it. At the very least, get a VA and have them at the very least. Just monitor your email. Just watch the email. Make sure that you're seeing everything, right? Could be part-time, few hours a day, whatever, to start out. It's not super expensive, but I think it will change your life. If you get an executive assistant, even a part-time one in the Philippines, it'll change your life. So I think you should do it. It's a great question. Thanks, Adam. And thanks for doing it on Instagram. Now I know I see people joining, but not a lot of questions. So there we go. You got it. All right. Uh, next question, please. All right. Next question. I think it's going to be the last one. Unless we, have, unless we get a live one. Um, what do you think of investing in senior living properties? Um, I think it can be extremely lucrative. Uh, it can be an awesome, awesome business. I think the model is strong. And I did it. I did it for about a year. And I the, the potential of that business was staggering. Like it can just be incredibly, incredibly um, a great investment. But here's what happened with mine. I had to partner with somebody because I am not in the healthcare industry. So number one, somebody on your team or somebody that works for you or somebody you partner with needs to be in the healthcare industry because it's a relationship thing. Running a, an, a, a senior care facility or an adult foster care facility, whatever you want to call it, requires relationships with doctors and hospitals and uh, other senior living air, uh, facilities to to get um, you know to get uh, residents in your facility and if you don't have that healthcare connection or those healthcare um, contacts it's not going to work right so somebody has to be in that position but here's the thing with adult foster care facilities or senior living properties the ones that I was involved with needed 24 seven nurse to be on staff in, in the, in the building. And so whether you have one resident or six or 10 or however big your facility is, there has to be a full-time nurse. So when you have one person and I was doing these, uh, in a, in a, in like a, a single family homes, right. They could hold up to six people. So if you had one person there, 
you had to have a full-time nurse. So one person living there, one, one resident was, you just hemorrhage money. You can't make money. At two, you're losing money. At three, you're breaking even. Four, you're making money. At five and six, you're making a lot of money. And so the idea is you want these houses to be full all the time and you make tons of money and it's great. If you go down to one person, you are literally hemorrhaging money. Like you are losing like a lot of money. And I, and I got down to one person for a while and I just said, you know what, this isn't for me, this isn't working. And so I had to get out of that business and dissolve with my partner and find other places for, you know, certain residents to live. It, it just, it was kind of a disaster. It sort of blew up in my face and I partnered with the wrong person. Bottom line, he couldn't keep it filled. He said he could and he couldn't. That's it. He just couldn't, he couldn't fulfill his end of the bargain. And so it didn't go well. So I say, if you do it, it's great. Just remember, these are older folks. I mean, there's somebody's mom and grandma and grandpa and dad and all this stuff. So you have to be really, really careful and really, really um, ethical and and very diligent about making sure this thing is staffed properly and it's all licensed and all that, which we were. It was all that was all handled, but we just couldn't keep it filled. The relationships weren't really there. So um, I say it's great, but the the thing that makes it a success or a failure is the relationships with the doctors and hospitals and other senior care facilities that that will make or break it there's literally no other metric or factor that makes a difference that's what makes a difference so if you don't have that you're gonna have a tough time okay uh i see let's see here question uh from juan again hey Juan. uh let's see very timely question you answered for me because i'm considering the assisted living business not only for the business but to have a a uh, trusted place to go with uh, my wife if when the time comes. Yeah, be very careful, Juan. I mean, these are these businesses are just fantastic. They can be great and they can be very pro. And I know people who've done very profitably. I know more people who have crashed and burned. I mean, I lost a lot of money in this in this venture. It wasn't pretty. And what I realized was I'm good at real estate and I didn't want to be in a business anymore where I couldn't control the outcome. I couldn't control the success or failure. And I realized because I don't have the healthcare industry connections and relationships, I could not control the success and failure. I had, I had zero ability to control it and, and, and I lost a lot of money. So I wasn't, I'm not going to do that again, but you know, if you have those connections, it can be great. So just be really, really careful. It's inexpensive. It's, it's definitely, um, it's feast or famine, right? You're either making a lot of money or you're losing a lot of money. I, and there's not a lot of in between. So just be careful. All right, that's it for this week, guys. I appreciate everyone who was here live. Juan, thank you, Adam, as always. Thank you, man, for showing up and uh, showing me the love. Uh, I will be here again next week. So please tune in here, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I'm going to answer your questions for you. If you want to send me an email with a question, you can do that. If you want to DM me or send me some other message, you want to smoke signals, uh, call me on the uh, heart landline or something, which nobody uses anymore, right? You can do that. Mike at juststartrealestate.com is the email address. Send me your questions. I'm happy to answer them for you. And if you miss this on Wednesdays, I do replay this on my podcast. So if you go to Just Start Real Estate on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can uh, go and hear the replay. So anyways, guys, until next time, thank you and we'll see you soon. 
All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay, until next time.